Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. To the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Talking Chop Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you can, you are having a wonderful start to your Friday, a fantastic start to your Friday. If you're a Braves fan, Game 3 of the World Series is tonight at Truist Park, and we obviously know that all of the fans who plan on being in attendance are ready to go to make it the best home field advantage it can be for the Braves over the next three games and days. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, all the great postseason content from the Talking Chop Podcast Network at Talking Chop at TalkingChop.com and at TalkingChop across all forms of social media. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. So obviously the tale of the World Series so far has been that it's been pretty equal. An impressive victory for the Braves in Game 1, an equally impressive victory for the Astros in Game 2. And you can certainly look at that split overall in many different perspectives when it comes to the Braves. But I have to feel when you look at the major storylines, obviously the injury to Charlie Morton, the struggles of Max Freed, the overall success of the bullpen, and the fact that overall I feel that you could say with confidence the Braves' offense showed a bit more pop, a bit more thunder than the Astros did in their own home ballpark. I think that whatever perspective you choose to look at the World Series so far from, you have to feel very positive when it comes to the Braves getting a split in Houston. And it also really helps out that the Braves have now been able to flip the advantage of home field. They're now the ones that have three games at home for the rest of the series and should have confidence that at home they can gain an advantage in the series overall. Of course, also there's the excitement of the fact that tonight we're going to have two rookies on the mound pitching in a World Series matchup, but it's hard to believe with number one how successful both Ian Anderson and Luis Garcia have been this year that they're both technically rookies and that especially is in the form of Ian Anderson. Yes, this was his rookie campaign But tonight, Ian Anderson will be making his eighth postseason start of his career, despite the fact that he's still considered a rookie. That's pretty incredible when you really think about it. But of course, on the mound for the Astros, Ian Anderson's counterpart, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines when it comes to Game 3 of the World Series. This season, Luis Garcia and his rookie campaign at the age of 24. Luis Garcia threw 155 innings, was 11-8, and eight, had 165 strikeouts in those 155 innings, a 3.30 ERA, a 3.63 FIP, allowed 50 walks and 19 home runs. So a very solid rookie campaign for Luis Garcia. And overall, this postseason, he'll be making his fourth start 
But among his three starts so far, it certainly has been a tale of two different levels of effectiveness when it comes to Luis Garcia. In his first two starts of the postseason, Garcia combined to go three and two-thirds innings in those two starts, allowed 10 earned runs, only struck out five batters, allowed two home runs, and six walks. But in his most recent start in the ALCS, Luis Garcia went 5.2 innings, allowed one hit, and seven strikeouts. So really what it comes down to for the Astros and Luis Garcia, which version of him are you going to get? Are you going to get the version that early in this postseason teams were able to find success against by getting, you know, having success against him early, getting out to a very good offensive start, which would be an absolutely wonderful development for Atlanta? Or do you get the Luis Garcia, who certainly can be dominant at times and has the ability to put the Astros in a good position to win Game 3? That certainly will be a storyline to watch for the Braves and for Game 3. Of course, on the Braves' side with Ian Anderson, his fourth postseason start of the playoffs, and his uh, outings have gone down in innings pitch. Five innings his first outing, three his second for his third, but overall pretty good numbers in 12 innings pitched so far this postseason. Ian Anderson's only allowed three runs, has struck out 12 batters, and allowed four walks. So I would think that when you look at this pitching matchup, the Braves certainly have to feel confident that in their option in this pitching matchup, especially when you consider the experience of Ian Anderson and the fact that the game will be at home. But one huge storyline of this game three is with both young starters on the mound, which team can get the most out of their young starter? Which young starter can go multiple times through the order with pretty decent production? Because if Anderson or Garcia or both pitchers can go four, five, maybe even six innings, I would find it a surprise if either goes beyond five innings. But if they can go four or five innings, that in and of itself could be a huge development as it could take a bit of pressure off both bullpens who are going to be heavily relied on in games four and five, both for the Braves and for the Astros. So despite the youth of both pitchers, that's going to be a huge storyline of game three. The matchup of Ian Anderson versus Luis Garcia, who can limit the damage early, who can go four or five innings in the game, and who can mix their pitches up enough to keep both opposing offenses, which is are very good in both the case of the Braves and the Astros, off balance. Yes, the Braves certainly have to have confidence in Ian Anderson, but that doesn't mean he's not going to have a very tough assignment against the Astros, who arguably were the best team in the majors this year when it came to road offensive teams in baseball. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. So it should come as no surprise that in both the cases of Atlanta and the Astros, the reason why they're in the World Series, the strength of both teams is their offenses and you know arguably their bullpens, but especially in the case of the Astros, it's well known that the Astros can mix both a very good ability to make contact with plate discipline as well as power 
when they need it. But one thing that certainly stands out about the Astros that is not there for all really good offenses in the majors is that the Astros are equally as good on the road as they are at home. The Astros this year were arguably the best offensive team on the road in the majors. You can make an argument for Toronto, but the Astros had the lowest K rate in the majors. They were right up there in terms of power production, runs created, whatever statistical category you want to look at in terms of teams' offensive performance on the road, you're likely going to find the Astros in the top three or four of all teams in the majors. So it's certainly going to be a tall task for Ian Anderson to take on the Astros in Game 3. But one thing that does stand out is that Ian Anderson has faced top offenses before. He just got through, you know, he's faced the um, Dodgers multiple times over each of the past two years. So it's not like Ian Anderson is going to be facing the level of offense that he's never faced before. He's had good success against very good offenses. He's had good success despite giving up a two-run home run to um, Corey Seager in Game 2 of the ALCS. Overall, he's had pretty decent success of working through trouble if he ran into it early in games, but overall limiting scoring opportunities early in games against very good offenses. You hope Ian Anderson can do that once again later tonight. But the other storyline when it comes to the to the position players for both teams is decisions to be made now that the focus has shifted to a National League park. And of course, you no longer have the DH in play. For the Astros, it's likely that they're simply going to play to their strengths. They're, despite the fact that they like to um, start two very good defensive center fielders and Chaz McCormick as well as Jose Siri at times in center field, you would have to think that the Astros are going to side on the ability of maximizing their offensive potential and go with Jordan Alvarez in left field, Kyle Tucker in center, and Michael Brantley in right field. Now, you still have some very good fielders out there in Tucker and Brantley, but my but Kyle Tucker only played 28 innings in center field this year. As a matter of fact, between the outfield of Alvarez, Tucker, and Brantley combined, only 28 innings of, of play, only 28 innings total among those three outfielders were played in center field this year, and it was Kyle Tucker, who played all 28 innings. So for the Braves, if they can get some ball, if they could put, you know, good contact on balls and send it out to the outfield, they may be able to test the the Astros defensive outfield, and you could find an extra base or two if you put the ball in the right spot. That could be something to watch to the Braves' advantage in this game. Of course, for the Braves, another thing to watch is where does Jorge Soler figure into the equation now that the scene is shifted to Atlanta and we no longer have the DH. At least for game three, I do feel that it makes sense to once again go with an outfield alignment of Eddie Rosario in left, Adam Duvall in center, and Jock Peterson in right for a couple of reasons. For one, the Braves already showed that they had a preference of putting Eddie Rosario in the leadoff spot when Jorge Soler batted fifth when they faced a right-hander in game two. But also, you have the fact that with Jock Peterson out in right versus Jorge Soler, you have a bit of a defensive upgrade, and that could come into play with how good this Astros offense is. And you also have to consider that when it comes to starting pitcher Luis Garcia, of the Astros, he's allowed an 
828 OPS this season to left-handed hitters versus a 560 OPS this season to right-handed hitters. So if you're going to play matchups for multiple reasons due to defense as well as the starting pitcher on the mound for the Astros, I do think it makes sense for Jock Peterson to be in right, Adam Duvall to be in center, and Eddie Rosario to be in left, and the Braves feel confident in the fact that they have the biggest X factor when it comes to an offensive pitch hitter between both teams by a significant margin. So at the end of the day, both teams are here, mainly due to their offenses. That, again, is going to be one of the biggest storylines over the next three games. You have to feel confident the Braves can put the bat on the ball enough to at least give themselves a chance to win and hopefully if they can continue to get runs early in games as they've been able to do a better job of as the playoffs have progressed they have to feel confident that if they can go late into games with the lead their bullpen can get the job done it's certainly going to be a lot of fun to see hopefully the weather will cooperate but if it doesn't that certainly could be a benefit to the Braves because it allows for the Astros to have to be on the road one more day, but it also helps out the Braves starting pitching plans as well. So you hope to get game three in, but also if it doesn't, that could also benefit the Braves as we go further into this series. Going to be a lot of fun for anybody going to the game. Yell as loud as you can, but of course, among every uh, above everything else, just simply cherish the fact we have World Series baseball once again in Braves country. Of course, you can find the show, The Daily Hammer, at TalkingChop.com and at TalkingChop across all forms of social media, along with all the great postseason content from the Talking Chop Podcast Network. Make sure you listen, subscribe, review. Let us know what you think. Thank you so much for all the support all of our listeners have offered us during this great postseason run. You can also find all the great written content at TalkingChop.com and at TalkingChop across all forms of social media. And don't forget Battery Power, along with a Talking Chop podcast after every Braves World Series game, you have Battery Power, the Talking Chop YouTube series with Grant McCauley as well as Corey McCartney on YouTube. Make sure to check it out following every Braves game as well. So much great content from Talking Chop. Check it all out once you get the chance. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Go Braves! We'll be right with you as soon as Game 3 is over, hopefully discussing a win for the Atlanta Braves. Have a great day. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Talking Chop Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.